What's up? It's J-Bone. Jimbo's here. Thought today we'd talk a little bit about uh, some of our military experience. Just let everybody get a little, little greasy flavor. A little what, greasiness. Maybe what we've been through a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, so I was in the Navy, personally. You know, it was, it's not at all what I expected. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, I, I guess the whole military is like that in general. I mean, you go in expecting one thing, and then you realize it's something else. Agreed. Uh, so start out, start out with basic. How was basic for you? And where'd you go? That kind of thing. So basic, I went to Great Lakes, RTC Great Lakes, you know, or... Where's that? That is up in Chicago. Okay. Uh, a lot of people call it the great mistakes, right? Okay. But I don't call it that, you know, because Navy did kind of change my life. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I went up to RDC Great Lakes. It was in springtime, so it wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't too hot, it wasn't too cold. Keep going. It was rainy as shit, though. Like, we'd be walking, marching through, you know, six inches, eight inches, foot of water, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um so it was it was rainy very windy but as for like the cold didn't really have to deal with that that much heat wasn't that bad mm -hmm. but went up there i actually kind of got fucked right from the get-go right from the get-go um the way this happened was when i went up to meps i got up there and i was i was told don't go undesignated Whatever you do, do not go undesignated. I was like, all right, that makes sense, right? You want to have a job when you first go in. Right. Now, I knew undesignated. That's the word I knew. Mm -hmm. So I took my ASVAB, scored pretty high on it. They gave me lists, like multiple sheets of paper of like, hey, this job's available, this job's available. And... uh like, I could have went on the submarine, all this, but I told him, fuck, no. Like, I do not want to go on the submarine. Mm -hmm. I want to be in aviation. Something to do with aviation. And they're like, okay, well, what do you want to do in aviation? I was like, well, I really wanted to be air crew. Like, you know, helicopter gunner or something like that. Right, jumping out of airplanes or helicopters or, you know. And uh, they're like, oh, well, that's perfect. We got this program. It's called APACT. It's called Aviation Professional Apprenticeship Career Track Program. Mm, sounds good. Sounds professional as shit, don't it? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, all right. You'd be an aviation professional. Yeah, I was like, damn, that sounds, that sounds legit. Mm -hmm. Now, what he told me was, hey, man, like, I'm 19 years in. I retire next year. I don't give a fuck about making numbers anymore. Like, I'm here for you guys, this and that and the other. I was like, oh. It's like Recruiter 101. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Fucking idiot, right? So I heard a spiel about the APAC program, and I was like, man, that makes sense. Because he told me, 
you know, after you graduate boot camp and you do your APAC school, oh shit, APAC's even got a school. Mm -hmm. Then after that, and you're out in the fleet, as soon as the air crew job becomes available, you'll be the first notified because you've already done the apprenticeship career track program mm -hmm. in aviation. Mm -hmm. By God, you're already in the Navy. You ain't even, you ain't even gotta go through boot camp. Mm -hmm. they ain't gonna waste their time on somebody like that. You're already out there. No. It wasn't until after that that I found out you can't go into air crew after being an APAC, apparently. That's what I was told by my career counselor mm -hmm. after I was in the fleet, which is probably also bullshit, but. So I was like, damn, that sounds good. So it wasn't until about two weeks into boot camp that they asked me, what's your rate? Because we use rates in the Navy. It's right. not like MOS or AFSC. AFSC or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we do have an NEC, but nine out of ten people don't remember what their NEC is. Right? NEC, NED? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't use that on right. a normal basis. Mm -hmm. That's for, like, filling out paperwork to get, like, promoted or, you know, uh, for your evals or whatever. It might be on there. And it's definitely on my DD-214, right? Mm -hmm. But for what we call each other, mm -hmm. like, I was AM3 when I got out, right? Because I was an aviation structural mechanic, third class petty officer, you know, air warfare qualified. And all the motherfucking qualifications. Fucking official. But, so anyways, they asked me what my rate was. And I was like, oh, I'm apac And they looked at me weird. My... My uh, instructors, my drill instructors, are as we call them RDCs. Mm -hmm. But they looked at me weird and they were like, What? I was like, I'm APAC. Man, I was proud as shit of that. Mm -hmm. They go, So you're undesignated. I was like, No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm a professional. Like, that was, a, that was the worst curse word to me. Mm -hmm. Undesignated. They're like, Yeah, that's what APAC is. Like, fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? No, no, I'm APAC. I'm not undesignated. I think you heard me wrong. Stay stupid. You're not yeah. hearing me. And it was pretty much like, hey, you fucking idiot. Like, it means undesignated, you know? So, man, as soon as I figured that shit out and I put two and two together, man, my world came crumbling down. I was like, I've been in the Navy. I'm not even in the Navy yet. I'm still in boot camp and my fucking career's fucked. Like, it's, it's gone, you know? I was so mad. But anyways... I did get a little choice in what happened after boot camp. You know, like they ask you towards the end when they pretty much know, like, okay, this person's going to make it through. Mm -hmm. You get sent to like paperwork side mm -hmm. and they ask you, like, what's your top three places you want to go? Like admin. Yeah. Yeah. Like admin. They go, do you want to be in a squadron? Do you want to be ship's company? Do you want to be like, where do you want to be? And where's your top three places that you want to go? Like be stationed at. Mm -hmm. All mine, East Coast, right down the coast of it. Cause mm -hmm. I was like, if I'm on East Coast, cause my brother was in the Marine Corps and he was out in Cali. And I was like, it's fucking impossible to see family when mm -hmm. you're in Cali. Like it's really hard. So I chose all East Coast. And they sent me as far west coast as you can fucking get, man. <laughs> they sent me to Lemoore, California. Mm -hmm. 
in the desert of California. I was like, what the fuck? All right, whatever. It's California. And I'd seen all the pictures and videos that my brother took of Cali. I was like, man, this place is going to be dope. Like, mm -hmm. it's going to be nice. The road's going to be great. The fucking, you know, going to have good views, all this other stuff. So I didn't even look it up. I was like, it's fucking Cali. All of Cali is beautiful. See all the pictures, all the videos? It's fucking gorgeous, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I do my little, I think it was like two months that I had to spend in A school in Pensacola for the Aviation Professional Apprenticeship Career Track Program, which is basically, all right, here's how you use a mop. Here's mm -hmm. how you use a broom. You know, here's your cleaning supplies. Just basically, you're going to be a bitch for a while, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, so after that was done, I loved my time in Pensacola. It was fucking awesome. Went fishing like every day. Right. Hung out with my buddy. You know, played a bunch of video games, did a bunch of stupid shit. You know, that's pretty it was, close to my old stomping grounds. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cool, man. Um, so I flew out into Fresno, California. Got out there. And I, I got there and I was like, cool, man. Like, because the Fresno airport. It's really small, but they have like uh, like fake redwood trees mm -hmm. inside the airport and shit. Like it's really cool. Then you step outside and there's palm trees. I was like, now we've got Sunset Boulevard, baby. Mm -hmm. Like this is the shit. We start driving. Well, my uh, my supervisor, my lead, Air. ended up <laughs> picking me up and. Uh, <laughs> Downtown Lamore. Yeah, J Bone just looked up uh, Lamore and he started laughing. It's downtown. That's downtown, <laughs> dude. Uh, it looks like basically anything you would expect out of a western mm -hmm. like desert town. It looks like Fruita, where I was in Colorado. But uh, Colorado. So my lead picked me up, and he's like, "Hey, man, you ever had B dubs?" And at this point, I'd never had B dubs. You know, 18 years old. I just never went out to eat because I was poor as fuck growing up for the most part. Like, we had money and then we wouldn't have money, you know. And it was just, I was out way in the boondocks and nowhere, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I think the closest B-dubs to me where I lived in Tennessee was like an hour away at least, mm -hmm. you know. So, that ain't a place we're going to go to, you know. And, uh, so anyways... He picks me up, we go to B-dubs, he pays for it. I was like, damn, like this guy's pretty cool. Like, I'm in Cali, there's fucking palm trees, this is the shit. We start driving, and I start getting this little smell on my nose. I'm like, the fuck is that? I know what that smell is. Cause I grew up on a farm. It was shit, wasn't it? It was cow shit. Straight up cow shit. I was like, hold on, we're going the wrong way, you know? I wanted to add something real quick for people that don't know. A good way to tell if somebody grew up in the South is distances are in time, not in distance. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. It's not three blocks away. It's not, you know, ten miles down the road. About it's an hour. An hour. Hour and a half. About an hour and a half. Anyhow, about 45 Sorry minutes. about that. You no, smell, that's a good put in, man. You smell I didn't think about that. And the way we give directions is yeah. you make a left up there at the oak tree, then you go down to the church, make a right. It's always the church. And then you're going to pass that gas station on your left and make another left right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's pretty accurate. But uh, yeah. 
Y'all wave at Delmer when you go by. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Anyhow, um, you smell cow shit. So anyways, I started smelling cow shit. I was like, what the fuck? Like, we're, we're in the wrong place. We're in the wrong place now. I left Tennessee, you know. Mm-hmm. I seen palm trees. Because I didn't look this place up. I should have. Yeah, you should have. But I didn't. I did. So, yeah. It's pretty rough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. I was, as we got closer, I, I just, it got stronger and stronger. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is horrible. So I looked at my supervisor and I was like, hey, man. Where are we going? Like, and he's like, oh, you smell that, don't you? Well, fuck it, obviously. Like, it's it's everywhere. It's consuming me. Well, he's like, the stronger the scent gets, the closer we're getting to base. Mm. That's how you know we're getting close. Yeah. And I was like, there's no fucking way. Well, we ended up taking the road. I think we had to go to the hangar first. Uh, took the road to go to the hangar. And we pass by. So they have open sewage. For the cow farms or for the town? For the base. They have open sewage. So when you pass by, it's on this little curve. When you go by that curve, it is the most putrid smelling shit you've ever. And I've been to Bahrain. Yeah. All right. I've been to Singapore, Manila. I've smelled some dirty shit, right? Yeah. This is. Right on up there with Manila. Just turds up. Just fucking nasty. And I almost gagged. He's and he took a big old deep breath. Yeah. Like it was something he was glad to smell, you know? His proud. And he looked at me and he's like, That's how you know it's gonna be a good day here in the moor. It's like, what the fuck? He's like, it smells like that every day, and that's how you know every day is gonna be good. Everybody's had their BM in the morning. Yeah, man. So it, it was that was not what I was expecting. So I did a, I was out there attached to a squadron and worked on F-18s. Well, I was still trying to go, like, they basically told me I can't go air crew. So even my career counselor was like, sorry, bud, you know. Um, But I got asked in my first meeting with the triad, which is like your top three guys in the command. Like the highest ranking dudes or females, uh, but oh, there you go, PC Jimbo today. Hey, there's been some uh, high ranking females out there. We ain't talking about no Japanese gangsters, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but so I, every now and then they get together and fight the yakuza. <laughs> the third yakuza, yakuza. But uh, so at my first little meeting, you know, I'd been in the command maybe a week at this point like brand new into the command uh i was talking to them and they asked me like what's important to you i was like well you know family this that and the other and well they asked me if i was going to do like 20 years if i was going to get out after my term or whatever i was like well i don't know i mean i probably only do like five to ten years now because my my direction had changed you know i was planning on doing 20 yeah. going in i think everybody does and then my direction had changed whenever i got fucked right from the get-go i was uh-huh. like fuck that like i'm not doing 20 of this and then i got stationed on the west coast and i was like i'm never gonna see my family so i told them that i was like you know family is important 
And my master chief, who's an E9, who's the CMC, he looked at me dead in the face and said, fuck family. Just like that. Yeah. He said, fuck family. And like dead serious. And he went back to his phone. And then, you know, my skipper, my XO, they looked at him like, what the fuck? Like this guy just got here. You know, you're going to crush his morale before we have, you know? Yeah. So Before we get the chance. Yeah, they wanted a shot at it. So uh, they kind of like did this, and my division officer kind of like did this little weird laugh, like, <laughs> okay, so, uh, and then they let on to something else. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, anyways, so I was doing basically uh, what you guys would do in the Air Force, like, a crew chief yeah or whatever i was launching recovering planes yeah. like you know servicing them and yeah glorified gas station attendant yeah exactly um and but i'd help out with the airframers when i could and i i'm pretty mechanically inclined so i picked up on it pretty quick so uh yeah i just i was trying to strike a rate is what they call it and i was trying to strike three different rates. I was like, I want AT, AC, or AS. And uh, they're like, okay, well, that's probably not going to happen, but all right. Mm -hmm. Just putting in, putting in, putting in. And then finally my career counselor calls me in, who's a bullshitter, mm -hmm. piece of shit. And he goes, hey, the only job that's available this month is AM. It's Airframer. And you have to put in which is bullshit. You don't, you don't have to put in for it. You can say, I don't want to strike this month. He never told me that. He said, you have to put in for it or they're going to kick you out. Yeah. I was like, well, shit, I don't want to be kicked out. This is my career counselor. He's, he's looking out for me. Also bullshit. <laughs> but guess who struck that month? After trying to strike for six months, never got picked up. The first time that I put in for AM, three weeks later, I uh, see the XO and Skipper walking out, and they tell me, hey man, uh, you know, stay in here. XO, Skipper want to come talk to you. I was like, all right. And I'm waiting there, and I look out. I know what it is. I know what it is. It's like, fuck, they picked me up. Sure shit, they did. Mm -hmm. uh, so they took me to the shop, started working with the airframers, and turns out it was really good that that happened. Like, cause I'm not one to be able to sit behind a desk and type and like do that kind of shit. Yep. I like working with my hands a lot, mm -hmm. you know? And if I would have struck any of the ones that I wanted to do, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now. Right. And I love what I do, you know? I'm pretty damn good at it. You know, especially on the F-18s. Like I could fucking, I could build you one of them motherfuckers, right. you know? But, and I just got really good at it, and I was like, I like this. Like, it's it's a really, especially in the Navy, it's one of those crazier shops. You know, you have these really laid-back, very strict shops. Yeah. And then you have the airframers and Ortis, yeah. the AOs, you know. Because you see, say, an electrician, like an AE, is walking out to the jet, and he's got a drill. <laughs> mm -hmm. Everybody's stopping him. Where the fuck are you going? Yeah. Why are you... I could be walking out to that jet with a fucking sledgehammer. 
and they're gonna be like, hell yeah, brother, like, get that shit, you know? Like, they don't ask questions, because they know the framers are gonna get it done, you know? And we didn't have separate, separate shops for like, oh, we have to do landing gear, oh, we have to do tires, we have to do uh, sheet metal, we have to drill these out, whatever. That was all just us. Uh huh. So you had to drill stuff, you had to do sheet metal, you had to, the whole jet was essentially ours, which sucked a lot of times because our workload was always like 16 pages long, you know? Yeah. And we'd get it down to like four pages, and then by that time, two jets need inspection, so bam, we're back up to 12 pages of workload, you know? Yeah. Which other shops, sometimes they'd be without a workload for a week, you know? Or they would have like two things on their workload for two weeks, you know? It was like, it was completely different, but it also helped me stay busy, you know? Keep my mind busy and keep things moving. Um, yeah, then went to the airframe shop, got deployed, went on the boat, USS Theodore Roosevelt, which is a shitty boat. It's horrible. For any of you guys out there that uh, get stationed on that boat, good luck. It sucks. Um, it was my second time, like, because I don't it's the whole experience is bad. Like, the food sucks. Fucking people are shitty. Like, they're always needle gunning, which is the loudest shit you'll ever hear. And it's right above, well, it was right above our rack. So it was on just hangar level. And we were on uh, number two, number one. But anyways, we were right below it. And that shit just sucks. Like, it's terrible. Because I got put on the Nimitz for my last little stint where, like, it was right before I was getting out. I didn't even think they were going to take me to the boat because it was four months before I got out. Yeah. And I was like, well, they're going to leave me behind so I can get everything situated, all my paperwork. Nope. Sent me to the boat. But I got put on the Nimitz. That boat was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was better managed. It was like... It was better set up, you know, uh, more user-friendly. But we got a lot bigger of a shop. We got a huge shop on the Nimitz. But uh, I don't know, man. It was, it was a fun time. Then after that, got out, went down to, tried to find a job. Couldn't find a job anywhere. I was putting in for jobs in Alaska, Canada, the UK. This is during COVID, though, right? Yeah. I was, but I was putting in job applications literally all over the world. Like, anybody take me, you know? And uh, nobody picked me up. And finally, Florida. Governor DeSantis! Yeah. Oh, Florida got me picked up for doing sheet metal down there. <clears throat> Stayed down there for a little while, but... Excuse me. I knew, like... I knew... I came in knowing that it was a stepping stone, you know? Right. I told people that, like... I'm gonna work hard as fuck while I'm here, which I did. I did as much overtime as they'd allow me to, right? Mm-hmm. Which was like 60 hours a week or something. But, you know, I worked hard as fuck while I was there. Met a lot of great people and I worked really good for them. 
but I knew like I had a shit contract. So I knew it wasn't the contract that I wanted to keep for a long time. I was like, and I love sheet metal, but I hate doing it every day. Like that's your sole job. Yeah. Doing sheet metal. Like it just gets repetitive. And down there, the way it was a very poorly managed, mismanaged uh, maintenance area, you know, um, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And I'd, I'd been applying and, you know, trying to get a job where I work now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they finally picked me up after not too long of being down there. Like I got a call whenever I was moving my wife cross country. I was driving my pregnant wife, my mother-in-law, and three dogs in a rental car across the st- across the country, and got a call. I done like Texas or something. Yeah, New Mexico is somewhere on there. They're like, hey, this place wants to give you an interview. It's like, oh shit, hell yeah, line it up, you know. I already had another job in Florida lined up, and I told him, like, wait, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to start with you just yet. I want to see how this interview goes with the company that I really want to be with. And then we do the interview, talk to my contractor, and he's like, yeah, it usually takes one to two weeks to, you know, kind of give feedback, whatever. I was like, all right. I don't have that much time, so it's good talking to you. They called me back 10 minutes later and gave me the job. So, nice. anyways, I took up 25 fucking minutes of. Yeah. And now well, I'm here. So, well, here's my military history. I was in the Air Force five years. That's it. No. That was it. I was in. I'll get mine. I'll I was get in mine for five the, and a half. I'll get mine at the next the next sitting. Next break. I did four years and signed a year and a half extension so my wife could keep going to school and. We had a good little thing set up out there. So. Nice. Yeah. There you go, guys. There's uh, Jimbo's quick military history. Quick little rundown of everything. I guess this one will end up being more of an informational episode than the the all-star comedy you're used to. Yeah, it's just a little bit about us. Yeah. The next episode we do... A little bio. Now that you guys know, like... After this episode, you'll know pretty much who, who you're talking to. Who you're talking to, and you'll know my military background, old J Bones military background, and then uh, I think what we could do for the next episode is tell some funny shit, some fucked up shit yeah. that happened. Yeah, we'll tell some. Uh, we'll do some military experiences on the lighter side. Trying to get anything too heavy. Yeah. All right then. Well, I guess we'll we'll end it here for now. And we'll do the other, do the rest of it. All right, we're back with J Bone and Jimbo and that covering our military shit. So, I guess I'll go next. Um, I went in the Air Force in the year two thousand, and I went first to. Lackland Air Force Base. That's where the basic training is. Lackland. So Lackland, that's where uh, the Air Force's BMT, basic military training, happens. 
the six weeks of fun in the sun because I went in the summertime. Six weeks? Mm -hmm. Nice. Must be nice, man. Six weeks of vacation. No, it's cool, man. I did a lot of running and stuff, <laughs> some push-ups. I've run a couple of miles here and there. For y'all that are not military or, you know, veterans or whatnot, just to clarify, pretty much everybody that is or has been in the military, we all respect each other in a sense of, you know, military service, and we gave up. We sacrificed a lot to do that. Mm -hmm. But... There's always shit talking amongst branches. There's mm -hmm. always shit talking. I mean, I have a brother that's a Marine, so. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter what branch. The, the Air Force gets probably most of the shit, I'd have to say. The Coast, Guard. Coast Guard. The Air Force is the one everybody secretly wishes they went into, though. Yeah. Because yeah, we get to stay in five-star hotels. And, yeah, it's like that love-hate, like, yeah. motherfuckers. We have a dining <laughs> facility. Yeah. But anyway, so that's so I uh, did the six weeks there, and I was what they called a chow runner. So I had to go announce our squadron, our flight. Sorry, not our squadron, our flight when we went to eat dinner or lunch or breakfast. The the TI that I had, and not the rapper. He um. So what's a, what's a TI? I think it's a training instructor. So it's like a RDC mm -hmm. or a drill instructor mm -hmm. or something. All right. So. I, I grew up in uh, northern Florida, South Alabama, so I had a pretty thick accent back then. Some of us still around, but... So he called me Gump. So he would sit in his office and we had these big bays, like open bays full of beds and shit. So it'd be nice and quiet. We'd all be sitting there fucking, you know, watching TV. No, I'm kidding. We'd all be sitting there shining boots or making beds or whatever. And he would just yell from his office, you know, Gump! Like the drill instructor from the movie. And I'd run in there and his name was, uh, he was senior airman. Well, I'm not gonna say his name, I guess, but he was a senior airman. So he'd run, he'd, I'd run in there and he'd say, take us to chow. That's how he talked. I think you can say his name, that was 22 years ago, so. Well, senior airman Brian, <laughs> I don't know. But he'd say, take us to chow, but he'd say, take us to chow. So I'd run down to the chow hall and I'd have to go in and have to give this whole, they call it a reporting statement. And I'd have to go stand in front of what they call the snake pit was the table where all the TIs ate. So I have to go in there and give this whole statement, you know, I'd say my name and say, report it, reports is ordered. I'd like, you know, I'd request permission to bring our flight in to eat, whatever. So I had to do this whole thing anyways. So I did that. And then as soon as I got out of there, I went to uh, Shepard Air Force Base in Texas. That's where all the maintenance goes. Mm. So when you're in training at Shepard, you're part of the biggest squadron in the world. That training squadron, the train, because it oh, trains okay. all the mechanics for 135s, 130s, 16s, A10s, everybody's there. And then... So how many would you say? How many what? How many personnel? In the squadron? Yeah. I think it's like 5,000 or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, I could probably look it up, but... So you're there for almost a year. What they call cold training. Where they're like static birds. Static bird doesn't fly, so... Like stick jet? Yeah, but they're they're more like hanger queens. Okay. Like it's a, a rolling jet. So you just do, they teach you how to do servicing, change tires, jack the plane, whatever. Yeah. So you're there. And you do that for a long time. I'm, I guess later on we'll get into like some funny shit that happened around there too. Because I did a whole bunch of things. I was there for a year. 
yeah. anywhere I've been for a year, you know, stuff ensues, like situational things happen. So yeah, that's right. And then you go to Phoenix to Luke Air Force Base, and you do what they call your hot training. And that's where you, you wear hot pants on the flight line, glitter boots. Oh, nice. Pom-poms, the whole nine. Yeah. Yeah. So hot training is a training squadron that flies operational aircraft. So so you, you basically learn your job OJT style. So I was in the 309th. They're called the Flying Ducks. Donald Duck's little mascot. <laughs> but you're there for, uh, well, I say you're there for three months. Okay. But that was also, I got there right before summer. Yeah. So it was hot as fuck. You know, it's 100 plus every day on the flight line. Oh, man. So then for three months, you do that. And uh, after that, you go to your first duty station. And my very first one was in Aviano, Italy. In the five tenth fighter squadron, so the old buzzards. What was that flag for last name? I'm just making some notes here real quick. Hold on. Well, you go. I was there. I was in Aviano. Had a good time there. I was there for almost three years. Uh, we deployed to Turkey. Deployed to Kuwait. Went to I went everywhere from there. I'd get I'd, I'd rent a van and go on road trips. So I'd go to Switzerland, Slovenia, Slovakia. We went to Spain twice. Um, all over Italy, you know, just everywhere. Yeah. Went through Amsterdam one time on the way home. Make sure I had about thirty days off for that yeah, trip. Yeah, that's about dangerous thing. Yeah. So. I've but seen I'll, that Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo, you know. Yeah. I go to Amsterdam. Get all wild up in there. It's a crazy place. But I don't want to get too much into all that. I want to have a good, want yeah. to have a good talk about all the stories because there's a bunch of them. But oh yeah. Um. So I was there for, like I said, about three years. And uh, over there, they didn't really care what you looked like or if your uniform was clean, anything like that. You know, you could basically be a shit bag and still go to work as long as you worked. A lot of long days there. A couple deployments, bunch of TDYs everywhere. Like, so what's a TDY? I'm, I don't remember exactly if it stands for temporary duty or temporary deployment, but I'll know in just a minute. So, so it's just a short stint. Yeah. Where you, so we call those debts yeah. attachments. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Right. Are, some of them are for two weeks, three weeks, ninety days. Yeah. You know, the desert, you can go for ninety to like one hundred eighty. A year now, I think. I don't know what they do now, but because I think ours was anything over nine weeks yeah. as a deployment, like you just get deployed, you know. Because yeah. I know in uh, Japan, I think they do like four month deployments, and they'll be gone for four months, back for a month, gone for four months, back for a month, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, we have rotations like that in the desert. Yeah, and right. to Turkey, so we go to Insulik Air Base in Turkey. Which is amazing. You know, I went there for, I think, 90 days the first time. All right. There you go. Went over there. Did a whole lot of crazy shit when I, when I was stationed over there. You know, get to go to other countries and party. That's kind of the Air Force's. You know, they'd send us to Spain for two weeks at a time. You stay in a, like, four-star hotel. 
and you're over there for two weeks. So you just party for two weeks. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, they give you that list when you get there of places you shouldn't go, and they just circled that on the map. I told everybody that's where we're going. Yeah. So. Went there, came back. And Italy is right, like where you are in Italy, you're right in the foothills of the the Alps. Like where the Alps oh, start. Nice. In northern Italy, so. You go up 30 minutes up the road, and you got like a, like a crazy ski resort. Like one of, you know, probably comparable to any ski resort in the world right there. It's called, yeah. uh, What's it called? Lake Barchus is up there, that glacier lake I told you about that we went to. Piancavallo, that's what the ski resort's called. So we go up there in the winter, and then in the summertime you go down to the beaches. They got topless, full nude beaches, everything down there. Or you can go to Venice, go walk around in Venice and get arrested. It's a good time. So, but I do have the distinct, I say distinct honor, not a privilege but more experience of being arrested or detained at least in every country I've ever been to except for Turkey and Kuwait. Yeah, that's probably dangerous in Kuwait. Yeah. You know, I mean... I think Turkey was before 9-11. I went Turkey before 9-11. So you could still go off base till like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. So we'd go down, they call it the alley, the street right out in front of, uh, right out in front of the base in Enserlik. And it's just this, basically this main drag that has all the carpet shops and jewelry shops and knives yeah. and guns and shit. So you go there and just, you can get drunk. I don't know if I was telling you, but I don't, I don't know how much of the stories I want to get into. Like I got. Yeah, we just got to. Tons of shit. We just got to cover like kind of our basic military yeah. stuff. But so my, my, kind of the same my thing. AFSC, but we were talking about earlier with yours, your rating or whatever, my AFSC was a 283X3B, which is a tactical aircraft maintenance technician, I believe. Okay. Or, but what we call each other there was crew chief. All right. So I was a crew chief, which is just like what you were saying, you know, your pre-flights, maintenance, refuel, defuel, all that bullshit. Mine was Echo 19 Alpha. All right. That was, that was mine. So I left. I left Italy as an E4, and then I stayed in E4 until I got out. I was like a glorified E4. Yeah. Because E5, which was the first rank of sergeant, staff sergeant, that's the first sergeant you could be, the first sergeant rank you could hold. I looked into it and talked to some of the, the guys that were a little bit further ahead than me, and they told me you basically get $100 more a month for that next stripe or that next rank. But you have to, like, you have to have troops. You have to write reports. You have to, you know, somebody, if your troop gets in trouble, you have to come in with them and all that bullshit. And I just thought it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Because I had, like, waivers where I could do just about anything I wanted to do. Uh, that's, that's kind of the same. Like, I kind of fucked myself, you know, in the beginning when I told them that I wasn't going to do 20. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was going to get out mm-hmm. after my first enlistment. Yeah. Because once you tell them that, they kind of write you off on yeah. going, well, this guy's getting out anyways, so they don't try to promote you. Mm-hmm. They don't try to get you further. You know, and I was, I was called out. Mm-hmm. You know, I had all my calls, I fucking, I was always there. I was always working hard, you know, and like just, 
simple awards to make you look better, they just were like, nah. They would yeah. put them on, you know, people that were planning on retiring out of the Navy. Or, right. You know. I had the same situation. Shit like that. So, I mean, I didn't care. I didn't. And to my, my own little thing, I mean, I got, there's plenty of stories, but I got fucked out of quite a few evals. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never studied for my <clears> tests <throat> either. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm not planning on doing 20 years. Like, you know, it's only, and it was something like you're saying, like a hundred bucks extra or something for the next rank. And I was like, fuck it. And then even after you get penned, you have to wait. So you have to wait like three months for the results to come out. Mm-hmm. After the results come out and you put on the next rank, you have to wait six months to get paid mm-hmm. for that rank. Anyway, so I was like, fuck that. Yeah, I was basically in the same boat. Like when I got to, after Italy, I had PCS, which is like the permanent change of station. Yeah, okay. That's the permanent move. And usually in the Air Force, you go over about two years. Two years you move, or three, whatever. If you get married, sometimes you stay longer. You can do extension paperwork, all that kind of shit. But I just kind of go with the flow. So after that, I went to Cannon Air Force Base. That's in uh, Clovis, New Mexico, the land of entrapment, which is like the asshole to earth, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. There's three bars. I wasn't allowed in one of them. And the other two, one of them... One of them was all right, but the other one was like a country line dance bar. It was actually, it was called Woolies when I got there, but they changed the name to Cowboys, I think, while I was there. So you can imagine the crowd. Yeah. You know, I stuck out like a pink crayon and a pile of shit around there, so. <laughs> but uh, went to Cannon. That was where I ended up getting out, but I was there for... I was in right at, I was, I was in right at five years. I was supposed to do six. And I got out early for a program they called Force Reduction. I think they let 20,000 maintainers out, but I was in trouble for some bullshit. You know, the. Well, we can talk about that later, but anyhow, um, it wasn't like one of those false valor Navy SEAL stories. You know, I didn't beat up an officer for beating his wife or anything yeah. crazy like that. I, but that's what I was in trouble for, was almost fighting with a lieutenant, which we didn't even fight. I love how, like, when people do stolen valor, it's never like, you know, oh, I was a airframer. Oh, yeah. I was a, a cook. I was a cook. I was a paper bitch. It's always like, I was a fucking paratrooper. Yeah. That gum. You know, like, I was a Navy SEAL. I was a Navy SEAL. I'm the one that shot Ben Laden. Yeah. You know, they, they go off on yeah, these me crazy and Chris Kyle were buddies. Yeah. I knew Chris Kyle. I've heard a couple of those guys saying, like, they trained Chris Kyle and stuff like yeah. that, you know? So, but, uh, so I was there, and the S-16 world's pretty small, so like I ended up running into a couple of my buddies from tech school and all that, you know, like all the cold training I was talking about, mm-hmm. called tech school. Ended up running into some of those guys. You know, we all would live together, we'd all get shitty houses and destroy them while we lived in them and stuff like that, yeah. you know, spray paint the walls and whatever, but... Degenerate. Pretty much. Like just, <laughs> that was what we call it, like... I don't like to say I was a DBA, is what we call it. I was a dirtbag airman. But I was kind of a dirtbag, you know. I was just always... <laughs> I was always dirty and didn't shave when I was supposed to. But, you know, I'd work 14, 16 hours a day, whatever. I didn't care about working. I just... I don't know. When I, when I was in Yusefi in Italy, 
they didn't care what you looked like as long as you came to work and you worked hard. They could give a shit how dirty your uniform was or anything yeah. like that. But when I got to Cannon, it was a dog and pony show. That's that's kind of how uh, Norfolk is. Norfolk, Virginia? Yeah. Like, and, and the moor, you know, it's hot as fuck. It's mm-hmm. like 120 degrees. You know, fucking sweating. It's a lot more relaxed, mm-hmm. you know. And then people go from that, or people come from Norfolk, mm-hmm. vice versa, you know. And they say the change is just, a lot of people get out because they can't deal with the change, you know, regardless if they're coming from Norfolk or going to Norfolk. Yeah. Because it's just... It's a 180. Yeah, it's complete 180. That's Because you have to have your uniform nice, yeah. clean, crispy, you know, crispy, crunchy uniform, you know, like... Even after a long day of work, they expect your uniform to be clean. It's, yeah, my boots are always fucked crazy. up. So it's funny you bring that up. I got to, I got to Cannon, and I got there. I think on like a Thursday, and I wasn't supposed to report in until Monday. So I thought, well, I'll just go like find the squadron, you know, get my bearings. Yeah. And I was putting my shit in my dorm room, just gonna run over the squadron, say what's up to the flight chief, which. So you had a supervisor, which was like I was saying, a sergeant, uh, E4, E5 would have been my supervisor. He wasn't there that day, but above him is like an E6, a tech sergeant. And that's your, basically like your lead. Okay. And then you have an expediter who drives you around in the truck to the jets and, you know, gets stuff for you or takes you to get tools and shit out of the tool crib. He's kind of like a runaround. But he, he, like when you get there in the morning, he's like, you're launching recover this jet or you're working this. Like he assigns you your jobs. The flight chief just kind of like has a briefing in the morning and tells you like the flight chief tells you like the I don't want to say like the paperwork side of things, but like he tells you the the bullshit about you got an appointment or we're gonna do this maintenance thing or we're gonna do this or that whatever. And then the expediter is the one that's like, all right, we gotta change this engine, we gotta do this. You know, like he's the one that kind of directs the flow. Okay. And then you have a pro super. He's over the expediters he's kind of like the supervisor obviously production supervisor so he kind of keeps the this jet's this jet's gonna be down for this this jet's scheduled for that whatever and then you have a first shirt and the first shirt's over the he's over that part of the squadron like he's the in-house king dingling you know what i mean or or she dingling i don't know how you want to put it but oh we're going pc now yeah she dingling there's a, there's a couple females that got in that role, <laughs> but uh, and then you have you have usually you had squadron commanders, and I was in Italy, which was a pilot, and he was your squadron commander. So if you got in trouble, you just went and saw one of the pilots, and he was like, "What's your fucking problem, idiot? You know what I mean? Get the fuck yeah. out of here." But they changed it to where when I got to Cannon, there was a base commander, and he was over like there was a maintenance commander, and he was over all of maintenance. What's up, man? We borrowed your room because we can't get in the conference room anymore. Now, if you want to join in, you can. This is A Dizzy over here. I think it's uh, it's it's H A, like his initials H A. So H A A is his first name, and J is the last name. So it's, oh. I don't think A Dizzy works. A Jizzy, A Jizzy. <laughs> I don't know if he'd be alright. I don't know if, if 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 you want at some point you could sit down and we'll do a little interview with you too if you want. 
you can join us. Tell us everywhere you've been and yeah, your hobbies. Yeah. Any funny stories that you had in the military? Yeah. So, what um, do you think, AJ? We'll let you pick your own nickname. A Jizzy, I think, is a little okay. little rough. <laughs> I don't know if we want to just be called A Jizzy all the time. Yeah, we might need to round out those edges and try to find a different name. Yeah, Alfred Johnson. That's not his name, by the way. So, we'll, we'll come up with something if you want to participate later. You just let us know. If you want to hear your voice on the, the old, old Spotify here, you know, you let us know. But anyways, they put they put one commander over maintenance, and it was like a dickhead that could have been a motor pool guy or something, like yeah. not a fighter pilot or a pilot at all sometimes, or weapons guy. You know, it could have been anybody that just made it to lieutenant colonel or so. So, but so when I got there, like the first when I said I was going to the squadron, I went in there, and I had been on leave for a month, been at home in Florida for a month. So it was pretty much a beach bum for a month. Because nice. you're still getting paid while you're on leave. Yeah. It was a 30-day vacation, so I was pretty shaggy. I had a haircut, had on cut-off camo pants. We called them BDUs. <laughs> had on cut-off camos, flip-flops, T-shirt. You know, I got some tattoos on my forearms and shit, so I didn't, I didn't look like I should be there. Yeah. I think I, had my, I think I even had my earrings in the first time I went. Like, I had gauges at one point, and I'm all stretched out. <laughs> And I walked in there and one of the avionics guys, the sergeant came out of his office and he was just like, whoa, 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 what the fuck's going on here? I said, you know, whatever, I gave him my name, said I start Monday. And he's like, he said, come with me. And he took me over to the, to the crew chief office and the sergeant was in there, Sergeant Johnson. And he said, uh, he's like, hey man, this is your guy right here that starts Monday. And he kind of laughed and he was like, you can't come in here like that. I said, what are you talking about? I just wanted to find the place before I start Monday. I thought it was like, Italy was super casual. Yeah. I thought it was going to be the same thing. And I walked in there and they were just like, almost like looking around like they were embarrassed. Like, man, you got to get the fuck out of here. You know, like, if the wrong person comes in here, we're all in trouble. So he's like, first, he's like, go get a haircut, go shave, whatever. So I came back Monday. I still had the same uniforms from Italy. So the, the fronts were all black with grease, you know, and the shirt was kind of like wrinkled. I just pulled it out of a bag and put it on. Yeah. And it was just like, it was like a whole fucking week of that in the beginning. Every day I walked in there like, nope, you need boots, you need uniforms. You know, I was like, I fucking buy all this shit right now. Dude, for our, so you, you obviously know what the dress whites and dress blues look mm -hmm. like for the Navy. Cracker Jacks. Oh, yeah. And then the Cracker Jacks and then the Beachhead, no, Beachhead, I think, the one with the parrot from G.I. Joe. He wore the blue stuff. Mm. He wore I don't the blue know. stuff and the little white hat. The Dixie Cup. The nurse's hat. So, <laughs> we had to check in in those uniforms. Like, really? you could, yeah, you couldn't just show up to the command with your NWUs, which are the camis. Yeah. You know, you couldn't. Navy with underoos. It was the official, like, shined shoes, fucking whole nine yards. Yeah. To be able to check in. Yeah. It was, I, mean, I had to travel in that bullshit, like, in my whites, which. The whites, if you just give it a little bit of a dirty look, yeah, it's already stained and fucked up and like, there is no way, which, little tip for any aspiring, any aspiring or any 
active duty Navy person, the best way to clean your wipes is go to Dollar Tree, pick you up a 32 ounce bottle of hydrogen peroxide, cold water, and dump that whole bottle of hydrogen peroxide in there. Makes it white as fuck. You use bleach, turns it a piss yellow. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, OxyClean does okay, but just a whole bottle of hydrogen peroxide, and it makes them crispy. But, yeah, man, you'd, you'd get all dressed up, looking nice, having to travel. By the end of it, it's all fucked up, wrinkled, dirty. It's just, yeah, we had to check in in those nice, clean uniforms. Yeah, I didn't wear my blues unless I was absolutely mandated to. I think I had one pair, like, maybe the whole time. The dress blues that we had to wear, the blue jacket, light blue shirt, blue pants, yeah. and the cunt cap. That's what they called that hat. I mean, they don't call it that anymore, I'm sure, but... Those, uh, those dress blues, I still have the same ones from, you know, boot camp. Yeah. I had those my whole time. I didn't have to get... I had to get the newest version because they just updated it probably like a year and a half before I got out or a year before I got out something like that but the whites you had to buy a new pair every year yeah just because just to be able to pass inspection yeah because like, they were just fucked you can't really keep them nice yeah you know? it's kind of crazy in an all white uniform like that and then uh expected to be clean at all and you know these sand gnats they love the color white yeah love the color white so you put those on, dude, it's a swarm. You're just fucked. And then the worst part about the blues is they have like, I think it's 18 buttons, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. at the crotch area. So if you have to take a shit, or if you have to piss, good yeah. luck. You're sitting there shivering, trying to one, two, three, get all these buttons undone. Yeah. And then they, they updated the uniform. Now they got newer pants where it, it still has the look of it, but yeah. it's got like a little zipper on the side. Yeah. So I had the old school just button, button, button. And they're tight, tight buttons too. Yeah. They ain't those little loosey goosey, you know, Wrangler jean buttons. Made last. These are tight. But that's it. That's where I got out. Yeah. And I went to Vegas a couple times there. TDY to Vegas. Which same thing. You just stay in a nice hotel and you go to work every day drunk. <laughs> you get fucking every night. You go back to your back to your hotel after work and you tell everybody it's a fucking health night man I gotta get some sleep you know like been here three days and I have I've, all I've done is be, just drink and go to work and red flags usually when it's hot so you know you're in Vegas heat then mm -hmm. and that fucking place gets hot so but I tell everybody I'm going back to the room going to sleep fuck that get in the room take a shower lay in the bed for two minutes and assholes start beating on your door we're going out we're going out we're going everywhere so you're like, no, I'm not going, but they're not going to go away. Yeah. So eventually you just give in, fucking get up, don't sleep again. I don't know if I slept the first time I went to Vegas. Yeah. I, I, would, I would get like like weird, like passing out naps. Like that's it. Like the ride to the base, which is about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, everybody's asleep. Because that's the only fucking sleep you get. Yeah, that's like Key West. Yeah, you get there and, the, you get there and they fucking wake everybody up. You work all day. Sleep on the bus on the way home, 10 minutes. Go in there, like I said, and think you're gonna hide, ain't gonna work. So this is crazy, cause y'all get like four star, five star hotel. I, we went to Key West and they put us in the barracks. The barracks, 
didn't have air conditioning and it was the middle of the summer mm -hmm. like we had a dehumidifier that was the closest thing we had to air conditioning that is shit in florida <laughs> no not in key west <laughs> in the dead of summer so i was like man this is crazy like hearing the air force stories is crazy yeah but, yeah if you guys want to know google uh google some air force chow halls and then navy and marines and all that yeah it's nuts Now this looks like some grits for me, so everybody just grab your cheese, cause we need another bowl of grits please, cause the first one you gave me was just a tease. Now this looks like some grits for me, so everybody just grab your cheese, cause we need another bowl of grits please, cause the first one you gave me was just a cheese. Cutting onions, maybe crushes some onions, the grits so good that you walk off your bunions, yeah!